With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day. We have tons of coverage, whether it's the NFL playoffs, some NFL draft talk, some college football talk. We got it all. Destination Draft Day from Pro Football Talk, College Football and NFL Draft. It's a long road, but we'll get you there. Brian, Nick, thank you guys so much for being here. It is a action-packed field day. We got a lot to talk about. How are you guys doing, though? Listen, me and Brian, we're New Yorkers. We used to work for the Brooklyn Cyclones, so we're both doing great because the Mets, it's all about the Mets here. And in response, unfortunately for Brian, you know, we talked about this guy last week, the Jets decided to interview Marvin Lewis. Brian, what do you think? Oh, well, I'm used to the Jets doing stupid things all the time, Nick. Don't worry about it. <laughs> What's up to Rick? Rick says, good afternoon from the Reddit Community Draft, Michael. Yeah, uh, in this community I'm in, they're doing a little mock draft right now. Sadly, I wasn't fast enough to get the Patriots job, so I'm just kind of watching and contributing a little bit through that regard. But we'll be fully focused on the stream today. No doubt about it. And Michael, when when can our listeners expect you to release your first mock draft? Are you going to wait till after the season, so you know the last six picks, or how you know how you going to balance that out? Oh, I'm I'm I've done a few already, but we'll for sure try to get some some out as the uh, season progresses. We'll have some team by team breakdowns, some blueprints, fix up every franchise. We'll make sure everyone's going to the Super Bowl next year. Everyone starts zero and zero. So you know, with with me as GM, I'll, I'll guide you on the right on the right path. Where do you got the Heisman Trophy winner going here? Because uh, some people have them going to the Dolphins at three. You know, I'm a, I'm a bit biased, but I really want to see him fall to uh, that 15 slot. I think New England would be perfect for him. Ultimately, though, I think someone's going to pick him a little bit earlier. He's just too great of a receiver. You kind of look at Justin Jefferson last year, and there was that concern about, is he really this crazy receiver? Is he just really polished? And he's shown that polish can contribute in everything. So that kind of helps Devonta Smith's case. And Looking at the draft order, I mean, I probably see somewhere like maybe Detroit where they're having Kenny Galladay hit the market. They're having Marvin Jones hit the market. They're going to need receiver help probably regardless of what happens this offseason. So bringing in a guy like Devonta Smith could be huge for their offense, especially when there's question marks surrounding who is going to be a part of it. Yeah, and you mentioned the Patriots. I think 
if he's there, they got to take Zach Wilson. I don't think he's going to be there, though. Uh, McShay's got him going to the Falcons at four. And you got to figure they're drafting that high. Maybe they like to draft a quarterback. Say the same thing about the Lions at Stafford. Right now, it's early. No, Fields has another game here. But you have Fields as a clear number two. Is there any way that you agree with, you know, these great like Tom McShay that he has Wilson ahead of Fields? Or does it really come down to the situational fit, not exactly the, the talent? Oh, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that we'll see with these QBs is if they land with a good coach, that will help their progression immensely. One of the things that I think is underestimated about Fields is just how impressive he is in both the passing and running game. And yet he's so raw in that regard as well. There's there's still some issues on his delivery. The ball doesn't come out as clean as you want. And he's still putting some great touch on these passes, putting some great force on it with nice velocity, going very far down the field. If he cleans this up, he's adding yards to his throws. He's getting more zip on these passes. And he's going to be an even more dominant player. So if you get him with a guy like Dabble, which I've said many times this offseason, whether it's on the show or talking to my friends about this draft, Brian Dabble and Justin Fields together would be absolutely unstoppable because he knows how to pace to your QB's progression, to really take your time and play to their strengths so that they can get their confidence going and really build themselves up. So, you know, if I'm the Jets, I'm saying I want to hire Dabble. I want to draft Fields because that was the issue with Darnold. And I think every Jets fan can agree with that. Even if they maybe don't believe in Darnold, they can say we didn't really give him a great shot at developing himself. So this time, you try to bring in a guy that knows how to work to their strengths, how to play to the offensive strengths, and also just try to you know be patient in that approach and really fix up the QB rather than kind of putting all the weight on his shoulders almost immediately. Yeah, I think the Jets taking fields at two just makes so much sense. I don't think it's going to turn out great uh, just based on the history. We'll see if they prove us wrong. And we could be sitting here in three years talking about, are the Jets going to move on from Justin Fields and who should they hire as head coach? They interviewed Marvin Lewis again. Uh, Brian, I know you are on the record saying they should keep Darnold, um, but not kick up the fifth-year option potentially, or just at least uh, explore options to keep him. Rick pointing out the Jets are alluding to moving Sam, uh, but instead of using the term for us, they moved in the NFL. Uh I think it's going to – you can move him, but there's no way this guy has guaranteed himself any opportunity to come into a team next year as the starter. You probably, so who's going to really trade for a backup? And I don't know. I, I think maybe you get a fourth or fifth round pick for him. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, when I say that I think they should keep him for the fourth year, meaning next year, I don't mean that they should keep him and hand him the starting role. I mean, if you – had another if you decide to draft a quarterback depending on who the coach was it'd be fine I kind of look at it from what you said Nick the standpoint of I mean his value couldn't possibly be any lower uh at this point so that's the reason why I would say that he'd still be on the team unless you were just gonna just gonna eat it and and say that's it and just cut him loose but uh I don't really see that happening Uh, I could still see the team drafting a quarterback and keeping him on the roster for the fourth year. And then what happens is when another team's quarterback inevitably gets hurt and they end up getting really, really desperate, then maybe that's when you get a pick that's around higher than what he's worth because a team is just really desperate. So uh, those kind of things happen in the NFL all the time. It's the only reason why I wouldn't necessarily cut him loose, but not going to give him a, a starting job uh, uh, either. I'm not, um, yeah. 
No, I think I think it's great that you've come around this season. I know week one and two, we were getting pretty heated when I was saying you can't just blame Gaze. You got to put you got to put on Donald too. Together, it's been a, it was a disaster. It was not a good duo. Uh, Michael, I know you were a little higher on Donald. Where do you what do you think the value is for him now for a draft pick? I think easily I would be willing to give like a late third if I'm a team that really kind of needs to find a QB and is willing to risk it. I think there's a lot of potential here and we've seen it many times where these QBs kind of enter these situations and it doesn't work out and then they go somewhere else and they find some success, whether you're talking about a guy like Tannehill who did it most recently, but there's other examples as well. And, you know, with what we've seen from Darnold, there has been a lot of bad, but there have also been a lot of moments where you say, holy cow, like this is the reason this guy was a top pick. And, is it just automatically going to work out? Absolutely not. He could very easily be a damaged good to where he's just not offering the same value that he ever possibly could have reached. He could just, you know, be a bust, sadly, as much as I don't think he is. I still think that that's still very much possibility. There's things that Darnold is definitely to blame for, and there are things that he needs to work on. I just think that in a better opportunity with better weapons around him, better protection, better coaching, he could find success and be a very good QB. Yeah, I just want to say I just want to say I completely agree with that. If he went to another team where the coach where they could actually, you know, build a system around what he does well instead of just trying to plug him into uh, whatever the coach wants to do for his own thing, which is what, you know, Adam Gase did. He wants everybody to fit into what sort of what he does, where a guy like Brian Dabble was able to say, okay, this is what Josh Allen does well, and we're going to build our offense around what our guy does well. A guy like Sam Darnold with the talent that he has could absolutely have success in a system like that. It's just um, obviously in a big market and playing for a high-profile team like this, and he's done a lot of bad in three years. I mean – it's just it might just be the clock is just m- might have run out for the Jets, but for him to go somewhere else and have success would not surprise me one bit. The guy still has a ton of talent. I'll go to the grave with that. So, Brian, how would you feel if the the Jets draft Panay Sewell from Oregon and they keep Darnold, decline the fifth year option now, and they bring in a guy, let's say like Marcus Mariota, and they you know they battle it out. Because you mentioned Tannehill, I think that's interesting there. Because I think I think a guy like Mariota, not that it would be him, could certainly come in and surpass Darnold and be the starter. And who knows, you might be able to turn things around quickly. Do, would you be comfortable on that path? Because I think if the Jets go that way, they are making themselves a better team. Yeah, no question. I mean, I've seen some fans on Twitter and stuff that are complaining about with the amount of cap space that they have, why would you draft, you know, another tackle and force somebody to switch positions to the other side? And I could see that part of it also. But I think, you know, myself and Michael, you know, we sort of err on the side of I don't think that tank with Darnold is completely tapped where the guy has nothing and he's just a complete you know, bust. And I know that the stats really don't look pretty, but as someone who's watched every single game that he's been able to play and seen him make all the mistakes with those occasional flashes of what he can do, I mean, I I wouldn't be completely against that. I mean, if they decide to trade him, I understand. If they they decide to cut him and get nothing for him, I wouldn't understand that. But, um, you know, I mean, if they decide to keep him because they thought Sewell was the guy for the next 10 years on your offensive line, I wouldn't be upset at it. Yeah, Sewell, I think most people think is going to be, you know, step in right away. Quinton Nelson situation, all pro from the, from the jump. Rick says Patriots trade for Stafford. I think that's a pretty bad idea if they do that. Uh, 
I think they're if they're going to trade for somebody, it's probably going to be Jimmy Garoppolo, or maybe he gets cut, or maybe Jukari Brissett. Uh, Zach Wilson, here's his stats, Michael, 33 touchdowns, uh, well, 33 passing, three rushing, and he also or 33 touchdowns, three interceptions, 11 sacks, 12 games, fields is 21 of six, 10 sacks, seven games. What does that tell you? Because I don't know, I don't know what, what, yeah, I mean, obviously it's less games, he's been sacked more, does that tell you more about Wilson's movability or Ohio State's offensive line? Well, uh, you turn on the film, and especially in the games where Fields struggles most, the biggest issue with him is he loves to try to hero ball it. He'll be taking a sack, and he'll try to force a pass, and the ball will get intercepted, and you're saying, come on, just take the sack there. Or, you know, there's some misreads. There's times where he'll miss an open target or maybe try to fit a ball in where it's not available. And I think also, you know, I don't like to really bash on just this whole G5 just automatically is bad, but – there were a lot of plays where Zach Wilson just kind of tosses it up and then Dax Milne or Romney just go up and get the ball and the corner just had no shot at it because they just don't play the ball well. So I think Wilson was going up against less competition. That doesn't mean that Wilson is definitely worse. I just think that when you look at what Fields is capable of right now where he's already kind of behind in terms of technical stuff, you can create a superstar QB that could really be one of the top talents in this league if properly developed. It's interesting. And I think, you know, if you're looking at the, the top 10 here, there, there are a bunch of teams who you got to wonder, are they going to make the, the switch now and try to get a new young campaign? You mentioned the Falcons. And then you have the Eagles. Do they potentially train another quarterback? Possibility if they love somebody. The Lions at seven, Panthers at eight. You know what they're going to do. You got the Broncos at nine, who maybe if they love Wilson and he's on the board, so I take him. Otherwise, I think they're going to, you know, Fields and Wilson will be off the board. They'll stick with Locke. And who knows, the Cowboys at 10, if they are worried about Prescott, you never know. 49ers at 12. So if people start falling here and, and address the needs, you know, and then you got the Vikings at 14, Patriots at 15, as we mentioned, there could be, I mean, there could be a ton of quarterbacks off the board here in, in the beginning. Uh, if people really value like Lance or Trask or anybody else. So it's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully the Giants can get a, a big playmaker at uh, 11 in the draft because I think they need to get some weapons there. But, you know, it's, it's I guess it's really never a bad idea to go with the offensive lineman or edge rusher in, in the draft. And those are the two positions that if you're good, you get the best chance to make it to the league. Uh, Michael... The Heisman Trophy was awarded. Exactly who you thought was going to win one. Who's your favorite for the Heisman next year? Uh, immediately, you have to look at the QBs that kind of have put together a great season last year, and that's guys like Spencer Rattler. And then you have to look at the guys that are really kind of stepping into what could be a very nice position. So you're looking at guys like C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, guys like Bryce Young of Alabama. So there's there's definitely a lot of potential all around college football. Most likely we'll see another kind of semi-riser that kind of makes a great case and it'll come out of nowhere like Wilson, like a Burrow, like anyone else. So be on the lookout for that. But I think immediately following what we've seen, you know, it's Spencer Rattler, Bryce Young, DJ Uigalele, 
um, guys like that that really have their best best odds for sure in my book. Yeah, I'm interested to see. Someone always comes out of nowhere though, so that's what we have to keep an eye on. Now we got to talk about Deshaun Watson and people. There's rumblings. He's not happy. He's not talking to the team. Uh, Kyrie Irving with the Nets. He didn't want to play. So he just didn't show up or something. So whatever. But Deshaun Watson. There's no way the Texans are trading him. I mean, I see right away the report goes out and there are Jets fans tweeting, oh, let's get Watson. We'll trade the number two pick and Sam Donald for Watson. Why would the Texans do that? I don't see why they would think that's in a failure there, Brian. I mean, that's just who you follow on Twitter because, I mean, I've seen a fan of every single team that doesn't have a franchise quarterback right now that wants Deshaun Watson. He's being photoshopped into Bears jerseys, which should have been the pick from the very beginning, obviously. Um, you know, we see him photoshopped into Washington football team jerseys. So, I mean, anybody who doesn't have anyone named Mahomes, Rodgers, Herbert, a select few others, is trying to figure out a way for their GM to go get Deshaun Watson. I can't blame them. It's not going to work for for almost all of them. Um, I mean, even the Dolphins is an interesting thing because they have Tua and they have multiple picks. And, um, you know, they're really a quarterback, a really good quarterback away. And I'm not trying to say Tua's a bust. I think it's unfair to say that, like, so soon. But what you do know is that Deshaun Watson is one of the five best quarterbacks in football. And then you could, you know, debate it wherever. And conceivably, if you could, you know, give up the number three pick and that 18 pick and not even give up Tua, but you could keep maybe him on the bench behind Deshaun Watson for a couple of years. Well, then you could end up having a Peyton Manning rolling into Andrew Luck type of situation uh, when Tua finally is ready to take the reins because you look at Miami's talent level and if they had a really a competent offense and maybe part of that was Chan Gailey's fault, but if they had a consistently competent offense, they would be extremely dangerous. Michael, Rick wants to know, you know, he says, Deshaun Watson will probably go for three first-rounders at least. Uh, trading away first-rounders, multiple is a bad idea. Do you agree with that? Do you believe in Tua? And do you think there's any chance that Watson actually gets traded? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. I think ultimately the Texans know what they have and they aren't going to be foolish about it. But if I am an NFL team, I'm willing to give whatever the asking price is most likely. Uh, you know, if I'm – the Patriots, I'm willing to give three first, three seconds. It's fine. We'll make it work. If I'm the if I'm the Dolphins, I'm probably willing to trade to a number three and multiple picks on top of that. And you know, I am again a two a believer to a believer, like Brian had kind of talked about. He's not necessarily a bust just because of early struggles. However, let's say in this Cardinal situation where we see Kyler Murray succeeded and then Josh Rosen goes off, let's say hypothetically. He went off and found success. The Cardinals wouldn't be a bad decision for that. They would still have Kyler Murray, and they would be very happy about it. So if you trade away to uh, your two firsts for this year, your first next year, and you make that happen, you're not saying, oh, we just automatically ruined that trade if Tua finds success. You still have Deshaun Watson, and that team is very good. Flores has a wonderful defense. So, you know, if I'm any team, if I'm betting on any team to make the swing for Deshaun Watson, it would be the Dolphins, but I don't think the Texans are going to let go of a franchise quarterback. So the Texans will get their third pick back <laughs> to go to the franchise quarterback. Exactly. GM Bill O'Brien would have made that deal. 
He'd, he'd, he'd trade Deshaun Watson, probably <laughs> for one first round pick. If you can get like a Frank Gore or something, why not? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so obviously, you know, it's all about building to the playoffs. And you want to get to the playoffs, that's the goal. And when you have a franchise quarterback, it makes things easier. So we got to talk about the playoffs here. And we got the first game up on Saturday, which is the Colts, who don't have a franchise quarterback moving forward here, but Philip Rivers had a good enough year, taking on a guy who was emerging and pushing his way towards the elite, and that is Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. There's going to be 6,500 crazy fans in Buffalo, Brian. Bills Mafia, nothing like it. So as a New Yorker here, I'm going to be pulling for the Bills in – the playoffs this year, but we'll start with you, Michael, on this game. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I think the Bills have really put together a strong season, and they've kind of proven themselves as one of the better teams in the AFC. I look for them to really kind of control this game. One of the big things about the Colts is their defense. So this Bills high-powered offense versus this Colts high-powered defense is going to be very uh you know, enticing matchup to watch Jonathan Taylor on the Colts offense is really kind of coming to his own and become a star player for this offense. So that bills defense has their work cut out for him, but I think I'm taking the bills overall. Brian. Yeah. You want me to talk about it from a betting standpoint or absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Buffalo is uh, you know, a six and a half point favorite uh, in most places right now. The totals around 51, 51 and a half depends on where you look. And honestly, I do see the Bills winning this game. Uh, the Bills, you know, could be that team against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. We talked a little bit about it uh, last week. They're awesome. They're going to put points on the board. Uh, for me, a little tricky with the spread. You know, the public, the Bills are a likable team, and they're really so hot. The public's all over them. But notice that spread hasn't budged. In fact, it dropped from seven to six and a half. And that should be a telltale sign for betters that this game might be a little bit closer uh, than people think. But with that said, I'd be on the square side of that and I would take Buffalo giving away the points. But one thing that might surprise people is, uh, you know, the under. The under has some serious reverse line movement. You know, 80% of the public or something is on the over, except it's dropped from 52 and a half all the way down to 51. Wild card games tend to skew under boys. Last year, all four wild card games went under the last four or five years. Nearly, you know, I want to say 60, 70% of the wild card games have gone under. So I actually don't think there'll be as much scoring in this game as people think. The Colts know that their best bet is to keep Josh Allen and the offense off the field. They're going to run it with Jonathan Taylor for as long as they can. So Bills and under 51 and a half. All right, next game up, 4.45 p.m. The Rams and the Seahawks, we have no idea who's playing quarterback for the Rams, so not exactly great for them. And if, if, if I knew Goff was going to play, then I would say the Rams are definitely going to win this game. Uh, but still going to be the Rams plus three. I don't really love the Seahawks. And I, nothing this year has made me think they're going to put away an opponent. They've been really hot and cold. And it's tough, though, when you don't know who's being the quarterback here. And Goff obviously had the surgery on his thumb and his hand. But I think that ultimately, somehow, some way, the Rams come away with the victory on the road. There's no home field advantage about the fans. Otherwise, it would have been a tough game for them. And it's, it's going to be ugly, so definitely under on this one, Brian. But I think I like the Rams to win this one. I think that the Seahawks' defensive struggles return here. 
and Aaron Donald and the Rams defense ultimately lead Los Angeles to victory. Michael, where are you leaning on this one? I think I still lean with the Seahawks, but they definitely have been struggling lately. They haven't been the same team as of late. Russell Wilson hasn't looked as good as of late. So there's definitely question marks surrounding this team. However, I think maybe that I'm kind of just realize not realizing I'm kind of just depending on the fact that this team is going to come back to what we kind of saw early season where this team was dominant and that's what my belief is for this team and I think that will ultimately happen that's why I'm going with Russell Wilson to really put away this performance and have a great game and I think that'll get them you know a sizable victory not some blowout but something that's like 10 points 14 maybe something like that what do you think of Brian? Yeah, it's only right that you guys are split on this game because the rest of the public is too. You know, it's one of the only games where people really do seem to be split, and it's hard what to it's hard you know what to make of it. I definitely agree with the under. Both teams that these game teams have played this year have been under forty points, so that totals around forty two and a half. I mean, I definitely like that one. Uh, Seattle's defense does raise some question marks, but Nick, I'd ask you. You know, uh, it's a rhetorical question more so, but they have struggles. But against who, you know, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it's not that Wolford played bad last week, but it's either Jared Goff with a hurt thumb or it's John Wolford who will be in his first playoff game. And for all of maybe the recent inconsistency for Seattle, you know, Russell Wilson in terms of his whole career is Mr. Consistency. And he's been in all of these situations before uh, Seattle. They just played in week 16 and Seattle's defense played well enough against a healthy Rams offense to give up less than 10 points. And uh, I would take Seattle at, you know, at minus three where it is now. I feel comfortable with Seattle. Yeah, I think it's it's tough. And we might have some breaking news here. I haven't verified this, but Rick says, Harbaugh signs five-year extension with Michigan, will not be the head coach of the Jets. Uh, that's good for Brian, but is it good for Michigan? We will see. Time will tell. Great for Ohio State. <laughs> we'll see. Time will tell. Next game up is going to be the end of Saturday night. We know Michael's going to be big on his guy, Tom Brady, here with the Buccaneers going to Washington to play Buccaneers eight-point road favorites. And, uh, Brian, I, got, I don't know how you don't pick the Washington football team with the points here on this one. The defense alone is going to keep this game close for, for Washington. And the only time Brady really struggles is when there's a, a big pass rush in his face. So I, I like this game for, for Washington to keep it close. So I, I do like Washington plus eight. Uh, undecided yet who's going to win. Um, I think if the Giants are playing here, I'd pick the Giants. History would tell you that the team that's under 500 wins in the first round of the playoffs. But – I got no major home field advantage here. Uh, no fans for the most part. So I guess I'll pick the Buccaneers to win. But we've seen them not show up a few times this year, specifically against the Saints. Uh, they win the game, but they're not going to blow up the, red, the Washington football team. They won't win by more than eight. So I like Washington plus eight here. Buccaneers to win. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, that eight and a half points. I mean, we're on the same page. Uh, I don't have much to back it up. I'm just going to say that that's too many. Uh, it's past Tom Brady's bedtime. 
you know, he's not so good in night games. No, but you're actually right. History would tell us that the uh, the under 500 team covers and that those games actually stay under. The total has dropped a bunch. We could see a banged up Mike Evans. I think ultimately Brady has too many weapons. And if Washington gets in a situation where they have to play catch up or they have to go get a late score to come back, I'm not sure that their offense can do it. So I'm going to say that Tampa Bay does win the game, but Washington does cover. Uh, people who like props, I'm looking at Chris Godwin and Logan Thomas as people who could score touchdowns in this game. So there's an extra nugget. So Buccaneers, they'll be heading to Lambeau if they win this game, which would be quite the matchup. All right, Michael, what are you thinking of this one? I'm a big fan of the Bucs in this one. I think that ultimately you have to realize that Tristan Wirfs has been just as dominant as Chase Young has been all season. So this is going to be a great matchup. Offensively, though, there's so much firepower that I think as long as they can maintain this defensive line, the Bucks can be in for a very special day. The defense has definitely been very impressive as well. I'm leaning heavily on the Bucks, but I definitely understand the uh, concern, especially with the seven and nine streak going on, going on in playoffs. And Brady one and three this year in prime time games, so we'll see if that. Because of factor at all. All right, now Sunday, we'll start off with the Ravens at the Titans. And this one has another road favorite, Baltimore minus three. Michael, we'll start with you on this game. Honestly, in this game, I am back and forth because Derrick Henry just has this consistent mean streak. And we saw it last year in playoffs, and it's hard to bet against that. And also there's questions about Lamar Jackson when it comes to playoffs because there's been some performances that have underwhelmed. However, I think I have to go with the Ravens in this one. I think Lamar definitely is going to be out for a little bit of vengeance with this narrative that he's not good in playoffs. I think it is a little unwarranted just because it's so early in his career. We haven't seen him enough times to where we can really label him just bad in playoffs. But the, the narratives are there. There's definitely a lot of, you know, talk and smoke about it. So I think he's in for a big game. Tennessee probably has the worst defense in playoffs. So that's why I lean Baltimore most of all. So give me, give me the Ravens. And I'm pretty confident that as long as Lamar Jackson is able to show up and be who he has generally been for the most part, the Ravens should be able to run away with this one. Yeah. Ravens have been rolling ever since Jackson came back to make the argument. They should have beaten the Steelers with RG three, but he got hurt. McSorley came in, but it didn't work out. But they look like a totally different team now here in the, the late half of the season. They're rolling. They got the momentum. So definitely going to want the Ravens in this one as well. Brian? Yeah, I'm with you guys. Uh, makes three. Um, I put more stock in defense in the playoffs, and we know one of these teams gives up one of the fewest amount of points in the league, and one of them gives up the most. I think that some – some people will put a little too much stock in what happened last year and with the game that was earlier this year, but the Ravens are actually 5-1 and one since that point. The Tennessee defense is completely fraudulent. They can't get stops at any key moment. And I think another thing that matters is last year before the playoffs, the Ravens were just sitting around for, what, five, six weeks, and then they had a bye while they were just waiting for the playoffs to begin. They actually had to play uh, pretty well and win games in order to get to this position. I think Lamar and the offense is just in a better position to succeed this time around. I'd go Ravens minus three. Yeah, and they kind of remind me of when the Packers and the Giants, they came in as the wild card and 
they just ran right through the playoffs. And that's because since week, you know, 11, they had to actually fight really hard to just make the playoffs. So sometimes to get in that momentum and not having any breaks really helps the team get rolling. All right, next game up. A lot of money's coming in here on this one, from what I can say, Brian. The Bears and the Saints. This game's on Nickelodeon, I think. And uh, I think everybody is going to pick the Saints here, right? We're all going to go with the Saints? Yeah. Yeah. So, Brian, tell us what, I, what we're thinking here with the bets, though. Yeah, I mean, at 10 points is when things start to, you know, shift in terms of value. But there's a lot of places where the Saints are still nine and a half and still at 10 points or less. I'm, you know, you're always fearful of a backdoor cover for the underdog there, but I'm still going to go with the Saints. You know, they're going to get Alvin Kamara back. And I think a huge thing for this Bears defense is that they're not going to have Roquan Smith. I think anybody would tell you that that is actually a huge deal for them. And the Bears offense in general has looked a lot better with Mitch Trubisky in the past few weeks. We know that. But if the Bears get into a situation where they have have to play catch up and they can't quite give the ball to Montgomery as much as they want to their offense becomes a bit one-dimensional and you know Mitch isn't going to stand back there in the pocket and just be able to throw all day to uh catch them back up I think that the Saints offense has definitely worked itself back with uh Breeze coming back from injury he looks good enough whether they have Michael Thomas or not they'll still have Alvin Kamara probably scored three touchdowns so I'd still take the Saints pretty comfortably yeah, Rick wants to know his breeze still hurting, probably, but he looked pretty good. Probably. So, Michael, how do you see this one shaking out? Obviously, the Saints, you know, if I'm winning, but what do you what do you think is going to happen during this one? I think that one of the biggest things is they're going to try to control the clock. Um, obviously, the Bears have a talented defense, but I think they've had some issues up the middle with Eddie Goldman being opted out, and yeah. in turn, you kind of don't want Trubisky to take this field. And I understand that that you know, kind of seems unwarranted because Trubisky is Trubisky, but he's been cooking a little bit lately. So you really want to try to keep things slow, keep things kind of off balance so that he can't get any consistency going. Because when you have Trubisky with really kind of sitting on the sideline, having to start a new drive every 10 minutes game clock, or I mean, probably like eight, let's be realistic. But if you're having him on the sideline for a majority of this game, he's never going to get any hot streak kind of going. And you're going to find him making the mistakes that have really kind of plagued his career. So look for the Saints to try to slow this game down. I'm sure a lot of people are going to call this game boring, say, oh, this is not fun at all. But, you know, if you look at it from a strategic standpoint, it will be exciting because they're going to try to make sure that this Bears offense has nothing to work with besides just straight up trying to make something happen against the Saints defense, which already is going to limit opportunity no matter how often the Bears are on the field. We'll talk about it next Monday, but Michael, does Matt Nagy get fired if the Bears lose this game? It's tough to say because they did definitely, you know, make the playoffs, which is huge for them. They went eight and eight, and you kind of have to assume if they get this QB, they could be a very good team. However, you know, there's got to be questions about why you benched Trubisky in the first right. place, when that was how the team was winning. There's got to be questions as to why they haven't been able to make Trubisky develop and why this team hasn't really taken that next step when there's so much talent on the roster. So uh, it's really a coin toss in my book. I feel like there's good argument for both sides. I think Nagy is a guy that if he is fired, he could very well find himself another head coaching job in a year or two. Yeah, I think you can make the argument that the Bears would have won 10 games, 11 games, and comfortably been in the playoffs had they not went to Nick Foles. So 
that's going to be interesting to see. And I think if that position comes open, uh, very attractive job there because there is a lot of talent there. All right, now we have the last game, and it kind of sucks that COVID has impacted this one. Stefanski's out, and we're going to talk about rookie head coaches real quick. I'm sure he's going to be number one in the power rankings, I would think. But we got the Browns and the Steelers here, and Brian, it's still a pretty close line, less than a touch, less than a touchdown here. So right now, I'm seeing the Browns at six point underdogs. Where are you leaning in this one? Yeah, if you like the Steelers early in the week, you're very happy because you got it at three and a half or four. And if you took the Browns, you know you're pretty upset right now because of the way the line moved. Um, this is a spot where you want to take the Browns. You want to fade the Steelers being quite possibly the, you know, on the worst run coming into the playoffs for any 12 and four team, you know, in recent memory. But uh, Baker Mayfield, his splits will bear this out is excellent when he doesn't get pressured when he's facing fronts that don't provide put pressure on him. And he's one of the worst quarterbacks when he faces a ton of pressure. And if there's one thing this Steelers defense does, it puts a ton of pressure on the quarterback with that front. I think that he's going to struggle. And I think that we saw the Steelers almost come back and win this game with Mason Rudolph and a bunch of starters missing. I don't think it looks great for the Browns. Not saying they couldn't keep it close, but I expect the Steelers to uh, maybe break this one open the second half a little bit. I will say I think it's too many points, 47 and a half. I think it'll stay under freezing temperatures, that Pittsburgh defensive front. Some kickers could come into play. And we know that the Browns don't have a very good one, double doing Cody Parkey. So um, I'm going to say Steelers in the under. Rick says Browns are going to be robbed of this one. Stefanski should be allowed to coach from his house or be allowed to roll in a bubble. Uh, yeah, I, I thought he should maybe be allowed to coach from, you know, the press box. Or not the press box, but give him a suite, lock him in there. Other coordinators are in there. Or, you know, let him go uh, over Zoom or something. But it's against the rules, unfortunately. So really due to that, I'm going to say that the Steelers here are going to win this one. And – you know, the Steelers here, it's crazy to say the, the team that was 11-0 at one point, they've really become a true underdog story here in the playoffs. So they want to just prove to people that that was not all smoke and mirrors to start the year, and they still are a team to be reckoned with. So I'll pick the Steelers in this one. Michael? Yeah, I think if the Browns are going to pull this one out, it's going to depend heavily on them getting the run game going. If Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can both find some success on the ground, maybe they can establish a tempo, really set the tone, and then pull away with the victory. But I think right now I have to lean with the Steelers because this defense has shown no signs of giving up great run plays. And as well as Baker's played this season, I still think that there's going to be some issues handling the pressure and working with a receiving group that is now kind of injured as much as it is not really too confident in the Browns' chances. But look for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And if they can get going, then maybe the Browns pull this one off. Monday we went over our Super Bowl picks, and that feels like a lifetime ago. So if anybody had any changes, we'll go over this again. I am going to go out on a limb and say the Bills make the Super Bowl and take on the Packers. Michael, who do you got? I'm still riding with it. It may be a little bit biased. I'm I'm fully willing to admit it. But I got Bucks versus Chiefs with Bucks taking it all. Brady putting any hopes of Mahomes becoming the GOAT to rest at least for 20 years, you know. But 
ultimately, I think this is what it minds it. One of Brady's best chances to win in terms of roster talent in in a decent bit of time. And so now it's just going to come down to can he kind of put some of the issues he's had to the side for this playoff run and can this Bucks team match that standard? It's very young, a lot of playoff inexperience, but hopefully guys like Brady and Gronk in the locker room can help out. All right, Brian. And don't forget Antonio Brown. Yeah, I put a I put a lot of stock in something and two things. One of these things, uh, Nick, you've spoken a lot about before, and that's the fact that teams who get buys have the best chance of getting to the Super Bowl. It's just the truth. They get home field, and and I don't I wouldn't really put much stock in the home field this year unless two things: you get to have some fans, which the Chiefs do, or you play in a location where uh, the oh. weather comes into play big time and both the Packers and the Chiefs do, but especially the Packers. So I'm, t- I'm going to go chalk on the teams that make it, but I'm going to say that the Packers and MVP Aaron Rodgers uh, come out with the Super Bowl. There you go. So all of us do not have the repeat champions. Chiefs will not repeat this year. You heard it here first. And who was doing this halftime show this year? Do we know? I'm sure they announced it. Uh, it's the weekend. The weekend, okay. So that should be a pretty cool show. I don't know if he's going to be in the stadium. He's not going to. Be, I don't know if there'll be fans. We know that. So that's going to be interesting to see the Super Bowl this year. And Rick says Bucks lose. They have a single decent one this year. They will flood it with Arians doing something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Renicio has got the Bills, Steelers, and Baltimore winning, and the Buccaneers, Saints, and Seattle. Appreciate your comment. All right, so the big. Storyline for the playoffs this week has got to be Stefanski not being allowed to coach. So, Michael, I gave you the challenge on Monday. You did your rookies of the year, but behind every great rookie is a great head coach. So, let's take a look at your rankings for the rookie coaches of the year. Yeah, looking at it right away, number five, Mike McCarthy. Whether you want to say that they were – kind of robbed with Dak Prescott's injury or not. This Cowboys team did not meet expectations. And even when Dak went down, the defense just was abysmal. So Mike McCarthy gets the five spot. Ultimately, though, this rookie class of head coaches was pretty impressive. Dallas, maybe not as impressive as the rest, but still very close to making playoffs. If they can get things going, if they can get Dak back, fix up the defense a little bit, McCarthy should have a much easier job coaching next year yeah we should clarify because i might be saying what are you talking about mccarthy won a super bowl by rookie head coaches you mean first year with the new team or first year in general so that's the clarification there because obviously mike mccarthy is an accomplished head coach exactly and then number four which it's crazy that this guy's coming number four because i know you and me nick we've talked about how talented this guy has already shown to be as a coach number four is matt rule and it's crazy. He's, he's surprised. He's number four. Yeah, this team's overaccomplished so well. They've competed in so many games. For how young this team was, this was crazy how well they were really coming into games. If Matt Rule didn't come in, if Joe Brady didn't come in, this team's probably picking number one because of how their roster was structured. And, you know, the offense is obviously very talented, but bringing in Matt Rule, I think, is going to be huge for their future. This guy is going to be a well-established head coach. Give him some time to build up this roster, but Rule is definitely on his way. Sadly, though, I don't think Joe Brady is here for the long haul, so we'll see what happens there. Great 
Great year, though, for, for Matt Rule. But now we move on to number three. Nick, it's your guy, the judge. All Joe right. Judge comes in at number three. Obviously, kind of a, a little bit of an up-and-down season for the Giants. You know, there were times where they were saying, oh, no, what is Judge doing? Because he had to fire his offensive line coach. Daniel Jones looked maybe worse than he had before with all the turnovers. So people were saying, oh, man, you know, it's just – does the Patriot way work? It was a it was a common headline. And then the Giants got going, and everyone's saying, okay, okay, we like this. Daniel Jones looks a little bit better. He's not having turnovers. The offensive line's improving. The defense is getting better. Joe Judge has his team building up a lot of momentum. Next year, they're very much in contention to win this division, get some more pieces in the offense, get some more pieces on the defense. Joe Judge, come back next year, very strong, have some of the staff. Pretty much right intact. I don't think Jason Garrett's going to get a job. I don't think most of the staff is going to get poked away. So Patrick Graham signed an extension today. Yeah. They didn't want, they didn't, the Giants didn't want him interfere for the Jets head coach job. Exactly. So, you know, this Giants staff is really coming back. Most of this roster, you have Saquon coming back. You're going to add in a receiver most likely. I don't think Garrett would be the worst thing, though, because the offense – well, very puzzling at times. Yeah, worst case, you just got Freddie Kitchen stepping into the OC job, I think, and that wouldn't be bad either. You look at this team, though, the consistency coming into next year, as long as Daniel Jones progresses, this team could be very good. Number two, and arguably one of the best cases for coach of the year, Ron Rivera. When you are a coach, it's already a very challenging job. When you're a rookie head coach, it gets harder. When you're a rookie head coach battling cancer midseason, taking IV bags at halftime, and still trying to motivate your team to win games, then you've earned all of our respects to right. the fullest degree. And don't Ron forget Rivera, your top draft pick from the year before, cut after being horrible on the field, low IQ, and going to strip clubs with his mask off in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, this was a lot going on all year. Ron Rivera, Alex Smith, both overcoming a lot of odds to make it happen for Washington. This defense, obviously very talented with the help of Ron Rivera coming in, making it a 4-3, and really overperformed in a lot of aspects. Rivera put together a great year. 7-9 and nine maybe doesn't blow your socks off, but for first year on a team that I really kind of expected to be picking top five, for them to make playoffs is very impressive. So, Adds off to Ron Rivera and a great job by the Washington football team. And then number one, Nick, you kind of spoiled it already. You have to apologize to everyone for the spoiler. Kevin Stefanski, the Browns, haunted by their poor history and what seemed like a curse. Now 11-5, and five, put together a great year. This guy's a top three coach in organization history in his first year. Yeah, definitely a dominant season and there's more to come if i am a browns fan i am very excited baker mayfield had a down year last year and a lot of people were worried stefanski comes in he helps this run game get established he makes the job a lot easier for baker the defense is getting better obviously there's still a lot of holes on this roster especially on the defensive side of things that they'll have to address in the offseason and through the draft but if i'm a browns fan i am very excited for the future of cleveland brown football yeah, and we'll stick here with this list for now because we got some controversy here. Renicio says Rivera should have been not running this list. He's nothing. He with nothing is in the playoffs. 
Uh, and then Rick says, do you see Teddy B, Bridgewater, staying with Roll? I mean, I think even if they draft a quarterback, he's still going to be there next year. Right, Michael? Uh, they're not going to just cut him. Yeah, I think Teddy Bridgewater starts the season, and then whoever they have as the rookie, most likely in their first-round pick, will take over as time kind of passes. But I think they'll want to start with Teddy and let him kind of eventually lose the job more so than just thrust the rookie in there right away. That seems like a very rule move. And responding to Renicio, Ron Rivera as number one, I definitely don't think is wrong. I think you look at coach of the year, both these guys are definitely in contention. I think Rivera has a better chance of winning just because of all the con or not controversy, all the adversity he went through off the field. So Rivera Stefanski, 1A, 1B, really, and you can flip it either way, and I'm not going to argue with you. Renicio's got the Packers winning the Super Bowl with no problem. And I want to ask you, Brian, you look at this list. Let's look five years from now, 2026, 2025, whatever. Are all these guys still in their jobs? I think you're probably going to tell me no. And will any of these guys win a Super Bowl? Uh, that's a great question. I'm probably going to say no to both. I think the second question is harder to answer. I think that one of these teams that, you know, could turn things around and become a Super Bowl team with a couple of good draft picks, a couple of big trades, you know, free agency signings, anything can happen. But I'll tell you right now that I would be surprised if Mike McCarthy was still the head coach of the Cowboys in five more years. Michael, same question for you. Yeah, I think looking at these guys right now, I would probably bet my money on Matt Rule just because, I mean, what he's done so far is already impressive. What he, what we saw at Baylor is extremely impressive as well. You see that these guys are kind of like a QB away offensively, and then defense, you know, it's just going to come with time. With picks like Chin and some of the other contributors that have been mid-rounders, it's hard not to really think that Rule is going to be in for some very special years for Carolina football. Will be interesting to see here, no doubt about it. Now, Brian, big weekend of football, six huge games. There's going to be a ton of money coming in on the action this weekend. If people are looking for some bonuses here, where can they go to check that out? Yeah, especially if you don't have a sportsbook account, you're going to want to get yourself some free money to play with. So you can visit bonusseeker.com. That's where we've got uh, review pages. So you could take a look at every single sportsbook, see what they have to offer, best promotions, best bonuses. Make sure you get yourself a nice little bonus when you sign up. Every time you, you know that first deposit could come with a nice little allowance for you to work with, courtesy of the site. So check out bonusseeker.com for all that type of information. Michael, what are you most looking forward to this NFL playoffs? I think this NFL playoff is just it's just mostly about trying to figure out how good these young QBs really are. And we've seen it with Mahomes, but now it's time for guys like Josh Allen, guys like Lamar Jackson, guys even like Trubisky, where we're kind of seeing what these young QBs are really capable of at the main stage. Allen kind of choked away their last playoff game when they went against Houston, had so many small errors that just turned into these huge turnovers. So we want to see him kind of step out and have this big game. We want to see Lamar Jackson have this big game. Baker Mayfield have 
really shown himself. So I really want to see what the young talent does on the big stage and see who really is going to be these clutch superstars of tomorrow. No doubt about it. And to confirm Rook's report, Harbaugh signed through 2025, and things couldn't get worse for the Browns. Offensive tackle Jack Conklin is listed as questionable due to an illness. So, you know, things go from bad to potentially worse. And this is the first day that the, the Browns were able to practice. They only started practicing about 20 minutes ago uh, or 4.30 p.m. Central time. So maybe uh, they're going to start practicing in an hour, uh, which is absolutely just insane. Imagine not practicing till Friday for a playoff game, which is two days away. And we got some breaking news as well. The Cowboys fired defensive coordinator Mike Nolan just now. So very interesting firing there. The Cowboys definitely unhappy with the defensive performance this season. And we'll have to see what happens there. Anyone come to mind right now or are you just kind of waiting and seeing what happens? No one really comes to mind. Um I can't really think of who's going to go because it's a tough job to step into. I think it will probably be somebody who's been a defensive coordinator in the past, though. Uh, and the last thing I want to touch on here, because this is pretty big uh, with your team, Michael, the Texans hire Nick Casario as their GM, which basically started off the whole thing with Watson, but he was very important to the Patriots and the Patriots way. Absolutely, and this is going to be an interesting hire overall. Obviously, they didn't really touch base with Deshaun Watson about it, so that created some sparks, I guess, of tension. But I think ultimately this is going to be an interesting hire for the Texans. Kind of surprised in a way just because, you know, firing Bill Bill O'Brien, you kind of assume they're going to say, okay, Let's stop trying to emulate the Patriot way, yada, yada. And they go and hire Patriots guys. So I don't know. I I understand the move. If that's their guy, that's their guy. So we'll see what happens. And real quick, I'm going to run through the the AP All-Pro NFL team, which was released today. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that Blake Martinez is on the list. But you got Aaron Rodgers at QB, Derrick Henry at running back, Devontae Adams, who was injured. He's he's He had a great season at wide receiver with Stephon Diggs and Tariq Hill, Travis Kelsey, David Bakhtari, Quinton Nelson, Corey Lindsley, and Brandon Shreve and Jack Conklin on the offensive side of the ball. Defense, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, DeForest Buckner, Bobby Wagner, Fred Warner, Darius Leonard, Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, Tyron Matthew, Buda Baker, Minker Fitzpatrick. For special teams, yeah, Jason Sanders, Jake Bailey, Gunnar Olszewski. Sorry, Gunnar Olszewski. Apologies to him. I know he's listening and watching. Cordell Patterson, George Odom, and Morgan Cox. Uh, guys, anything that they got super wrong there at all? Are you fine with that list? Uh, looking at the list, I think there's, you know, some things that you can disagree with, but it happens every year. There's always the arguments to be made for other guys. There's nothing particularly that I'm saying, oh, you know, slam my fist on the desk. You guys messed up. So congratulations to them that made it on the team. And now it's time to prove it for those that are in playoffs. 
You know, it's going to do it here for this show. Michael, sign us off here as we go into Wild Card Weekend. I'm Michael Rockman, joined by Nick Durst and Brian Sosa. We had a fantastic show today. Thank you guys in the comment section for tuning in. Thank you to all the viewers in full. Destination Draft Day, whether it's NFL Draft, Pro Football, or College Football, we are here for you. It's a long road, but we'll get you there. Thank you so much, Landry Football. And again, thank you to all the viewers. We'll see you guys on Monday. Peace. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.